Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Confidential, the podcast from the National Council on Severe Autism. I am Jill Escher, and I am your host today. And I'm sorry about a brief absence. I will be honest and tell you, I I had been struggling with long COVID. And I just had a lot of trouble getting things done. And a lot of things put on, got put on hold. Um, but uh, we are back uh, in action. And I'm just incredibly excited about the podcast episode we have for you today. Um, I had first heard about a documentary called Beyond, I think last year, um, some friends of mine who live in Los Angeles uh, you know, had told me about it and it featured an LA mom of two kids with autism, Tamara Mark. And I knew Tamara a little bit. I thought, well, this is interesting. Well, I finally had a chance to see this film and I was floored by it. I was just dumbfounded at the themes, the footage, you know, the, the, the character, the personality of Tamara and the other players in the film and her sons. Um, I just loved it. Um, and um, I am so happy to say that I have four people <laughs> involved with the film today, not just one. Four. And so let me introduce them to you. First, we have the producer, Drew Miller. Drew, say hi. Hi, everybody. Thanks. Thank you, Jill, for having us today. And you're coming uh, to us from Los Angeles, right? I'm originally from Los Angeles, but we are coming to you from Lake Stevens, Washington, which is right north of uh, Seattle, about 20 miles. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that. Um, and uh, Tiago Dadalt, you, you have to correct my pronunciation, Tiago. It's great, it's Tiago Dadalt, yes. And he is the filmmaker, you know, the, the director um, behind the film. And then I have the star of the film, um, the lovely and very talented, as you will find out, Tamara Mark. Hi, Tamara. <laughs> Hi, Jill. So and you are coming to us from LA, from Pasadena, I'm gonna guess. Well, actually, uh, we're by unbelievable chance our friend Holly Powell gave us her place in Paso Robles because I fell and broke my collarbone um and I am in a cast I mean not a cast but a sling and Harry pulls me around and Ian want you know they, we needed to get a couple of days away so we're away for three days oh wow okay yes I, I went down that. a flight of stairs in my basement with uh, oh. lemonade that I was prepping for Harry for the night I went it was my third trip down because we 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 like You'll understand this, Jill. We put like little amounts of diluted organic uh, sugar-free lemonade down in four different places downstairs where he goes in the morning and drinks them. And I was bringing, I was bringing my <laughs> the things we do. Yeah, I know. I was bringing my third trip down and my heel of my boot caught my cuff of my jean. And Mark was in the living room and he didn't know what he was going to find. But God, you know. I'm really grateful that I, I only have a broken collarbone, but I hit every, everything's bruised in my head, you know? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. And, um, yeah, the, the world cannot afford to have you injured. So happy healing <laughs> and our, Thank and our, <laughs> I'm glad you are as well, by the way. Oh, well, yeah, that wasn't as bad. Um, and Mark, <laughs> we're very happy to have you. Uh, Mark is sort of a surprise star of, of the film. Um, I, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to try not to have too many spoilers. I, I don't know if it's possible <laughs> yes. to do this podcast without spoilers, <laughs> but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. So, so let's start at the beginning. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, how did this project even get started? What, who was the one to instigate it? How did you meet? Tiago. Okay, okay. tomorrow first. Let me try it. <laughs> hey, all right, Tiago first. Yeah. Okay, so Drew and I, we made a short film called uh, Duke. Uh, this was in 2019, and it's based on a true story of a young um, man, 17 years old, who never typed, and he started communicating. So anyways, after we made the film, we were shooting a documentary about Alzheimer, and we met uh, Azita which is a common friend from uh, Tamara. And she has watched the short film that we made and she loved uh, the movie. And she say, well, I would love to introduce you to a friend of mine who has two Dukes in <laughs> her house. And I, I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine um, someone with, with two nonverbals, you know? 
But that story got in, your, in my mind for a while. We never talk about it again. Drew and I, we finished the Alzheimer documentary and that was like a year later, Azira asked me about how was uh, the documentary and just the uh, Tamara uh, story popped up in my mind. And I was like, remember that you told me about Tamara's story and then she connected us by email and Tamara watched watch the uh, Duke and we did a FaceTime and we connected right away. We felt like we knew each other for all the lives, <laughs> from all the lives. And uh, this is supposed to be just a day in Tamara life. This was before, no, yeah, the pandemic was already going on and I didn't know her enough, but the idea was to film her during, during the day, um, the Thanksgiving, and mm -hmm. that would be just a short film, short documentary about her life. And this was but Thanksgiving 2020. 20, Correct. Right. 20, yes. 20, that's, yes. That's when the film opens. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, after that day, actually, we, we uh, so many things happen, as you can see in the movie, that I talked with Drew and we both agreed that we, we should definitely spend more time and and tell her entire story. And talking with Tamara, we all agree to spend the entire year, like nothing was really happening in the world, you know, like was a pandemic, we're really yeah. deep on the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's how this came about. But I had no idea about Mark. I have no idea about many things that we really find out as yeah. we're there filming and making the film. Right. Okay, so it, it, it really came from you, and then you you heard about Tamara, so you you went over and you started filming around you know Thanksgiving 2020, and you realized that there was a bigger story here. This was not right. just a day in the life, that this yes. was like what Tamara was living was so incredibly deep, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and yes. so complex that it deserved more time. Yeah, Tiago um, wanted to go back in time a little bit and bring the whole storyline forward. Right. And, 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 and listeners, um, let me tell you, um, part of the reason there's a storyline here is that Tamara's background is quite remarkable. Um, and the, the film goes into this a bit, but Tamara, I will ask you about it, but really as a brief overview for people, um, Tamara was a very talented dancer. Um, she had, you know, been with with you know some really considerable training with very sought after actress she was a singer uh we also later learned in the film she could play guitar too <laughs> but um she's sort of multi-talented and very busy in hollywood um and uh you know things were kind of going kind of swimmingly and then of course um autism came along but tomorrow let me ask you about this like when you were growing up? I mean, had you even heard of autism? Was there anything in your life that, you know, could have, that, that you know, you could have prepared, prepared you at all for, for this? So interesting. You asked me this question. I, um, we moved when I was going into fifth grade and I wanted a young teacher and I had to go to a school that uh, was actually being bused. Uh, I was supposed to go to a school that he actually went to because he's from my same hometown. Um, but in we, the hometowns I, in um, is, was Beaverton, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Oregon Beaverton. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I ended up going to the school and I had the oldest teacher in the school, but she was like the coolest woman in the world. She lived in Japan. She did all these things. And she realized like I had some kind of gift of, of tutoring or working with people. So when I was in fifth grade, I started working with kids that were probably autistic. I would guess that they were autistic because I was working with shapes, them, you know, focusing on how to do simple tasks like puzzles, you know, things like that. And uh, and that same year, I remember reading something about dolphins and autism. And I don't know why it's stuck in my brain. Since I mean, my boys have swam with wild dolphins in Hawaii. You know, I've done- Well, as you said in the film, there isn't anything you didn't try. <laughs> I've done <laughs> I've done everything. So no one can blame me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So, um, so a lot, so you, you get married and, um, along come these, these two sons. First you have 
Harry. Ian. Oh, first was yeah. Ian. Yeah. Oh, I will say one one thing that threw me a little bit in the film is I had trouble telling who Just was like Harry. Who they who's who. Yeah. You know, it's funny. A lot of people think they're twins oh, and they're yeah. all, they're 33 months apart, but they have, people have a hard time. Even now people go, oh, I thought that was Harry. I go, no, that was Ian. And they don't really look alike, but it's, I guess it's just an energetic. I don't but, know. You know, if you're just seeing the film for the first time, you yeah, know, yeah. you see two young men in their 20, early 20s and, you know, yeah. they're cute as can be, by the way. Um, oh. But yeah, I, I, I often confuse them. Um, so first came Ian. And um, and then the diagnosis. Tell us a little bit about that kind of spoiler the for the film. Tell tell us about Ian and um, your. They thought we thought that Ian. They the pediatrician wanted to know why he was starting to crawl when he'd been walking really early. Like why was he regressing? And then he asked. Uh, he didn't think he could hear. And I said, I think Ian's having trouble hearing. And um, because I had gone to like uh, the the museum in, in Pasadena, the kids space museum, and they brought a, a fire truck or a, a police car. And all the little kids covered their ears when he did the siren and Ian just stood there like no affect. Hmm. So that was an indicator, you know, like, well, what's going on? And I, and everyone goes, well, if he's deaf, that'll be the best case scenario of all, you know? Like, right. Because he'd be able to do everything himself, and it would just be he wouldn't have his ears. But um, it it turned out uh, it, 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 he was diagnosed. You know, he did we did all the things you've done, all the speech and the you know the OT and you know every treatment in the planet. But it didn't get better. I mean, he's he's better because I worked fourteen hours a day with him. Um, because I we compl I completely lost him. Like you couldn't touch him. He wouldn't need. I, I before Harry was born. I worked every single day, like 14 hours a day. Wow. You know, um, and I want to say when, when the film opens, the, the, the film does not shy away from how severely autistic your sons are. You no. know, it, it does not sugarcoat their realities at all. I mean, you, you, you're, you're in your house and um, you know, the furniture is all covered. You know, <laughs> we, it still is, by the it way. It still is. <laughs> um, uh, and we, uh, we hear the noises, we see the jumping and the flapping. Um, you know, it, later in the film, oh my God, I have so many notes about this. Later in the film, you know, you, you show um, a, a picture of, I think it was Harry's hand. Yes. Um, he had yes. bit off the top of his hand. Yeah. And you, you showed that picture. He had picked the hair right out of his head. You know, you would, you showed that picture. You hear plates crashing right in yeah. the background. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, the sense of chaos of the constant trauma, you yeah. know, you, the, the film puts you right, right in there and doesn't apologize for it. Yeah. And then the viewer is like, this is what she lives with every day for the last 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it, you know, I just it, make a point here. Yeah, please uh, do. Uh, it's very interesting that we get feedbacks from people that that feel they can't handle the movie. But that's a little piece of what Tamara goes yeah. through every day. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I hope we made uh, justice to what she goes through. But you know, and, and people feel like, oh, that's too much. It's so difficult to watch, they said. We're no. Like, well, we hope it is, you know. <laughs> there were some scenes, Tiago, where you just let the camera go. Like, you just said, we're going to stay here on the scene. Like, there were no quick cuts. You know, yeah. there was no flash. But there's no nothing. It was just, you, viewer, are going to sit here in tomorrow's world. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and... um and it might have felt to some people like maybe it was unduly, some scenes were unduly long, but I felt like you were trying to, you know, give them a message. Like this is just a tiny hint, right? Yeah. Of what she has 24 seven. And I don't know who it is who's objecting to those difficult scenes, but you are right. I mean, if they can't take, you know, looking at this for like two minutes on the screen, can you imagine 24 years of it, you know? <laughs> With and tomorrow. it's the work of a filmmaker, I think. We're, you know, we want to make sure to tell the story. 
and show what the person's going through. So yeah, that's maybe hard for some people to watch, but that's Tamara's reality and so many other people reality. And when Tiago came and showed me a little bit of footage and we were, when we were planning to do the full length documentary and I saw some footage, that's exactly how I came up with the title. I just looked at him and I said, Oh my gosh, this is just beyond. (laughs) It's it's a perfect title. It is. It is just beyond. And so many (laughs) things were beyond, right? I mean, it, not just the, daily drama and trauma was beyond but like the connection she has with her sons was beyond mm-hmm. right you know yeah. the 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 challenge about the future was beyond you know the scale of this in terms of you and your friends and the greater community is beyond i mean everything's beyond Tamar, I mean, Tamar background is beyond yeah tomorrow's <laughs> background is beyond her right? beyond, yeah. It's beyond my memory at this point. Her life was beyond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Um, so, uh, you know, tomorrow, one, one thing early in the film we learn about you is, um, you know, you were in the kind of height of your career and you took a very spiritual path. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think viewers would look at that and say, my God, without that, without yeah. that, this would have crushed her, right? Yes, it would have. It would Can have. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, um, I, I, like I say in the movie, I feel like everything that's happened to me in my lifetime led me to do what I'm doing now. Um, I think that I had not started as a dancer at three years old, you know, and been so passionate about it, so disciplined. And, and worked as hard as I did my entire life. I've never not worked. So, you know, I was used to doing like hours and hours and hours. My summers would be 14 hours at a dance camp, you know, like we're dancing all day long, every kind of dance in the world. And I was passionate about it. And um, then I really got into, I was always singing too. And then I got into acting um, because I fell onto Broadway basically, but it was a, um, I just feel like everything that happened to me was meant to happen to to do what we're trying to do right now, which is build a future for the kids. And I think that my um, the gift of my leaving when my teacher died, when Peggy Fury passed away um, suddenly in a tragic car accident, and she and I had grown really, really close. I'd become like one of her favorite students, and she was had taken me under her wing, like Sean Penn. And, you know, she really had like a connection and she had just watched the movie fast forward and it already had been out like over a year or so, but I've been, her this is a movie that, that you had starred in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and she was so, um, enraptured with what I, I don't know. We just had a connection. And then she, uh, I started to put up scenes every single day. Like I was in a scene study in a class for, you know, four days a week. And I, every people are like, are you going somewhere tomorrow? Because, you know, you're putting up like really hard scenes, like every day, what's going on? Are you leaving? Are you going? And then she died. Hmm. So, but I got to put my work up in front of her for about three months before she passed, like before she died suddenly. And her death just sent me into like questioning my purpose on earth. (laughs) I don't know. I thought, you know, if she could leave that tragically, that suddenly you know, I, I just questioned it and it, it really threw people like my agents cried because I was really rising and they were begging me not to leave. And friends thought I was following UFOs. And, you know, I mean, I had a lot of people say a lot of stuff about me, but um, I'm I'm so glad I did because I found what I was looking for. And it did give me a center uh, to get through or I probably wouldn't be here. You know, like the stories we talk about in the movie. I mean, not that I would ever take my own life, but I don't that I have my kids and that I'd be able to do what I'm doing. And that's why I don't fault people to not be able to handle it. You know, not everybody can right. handle lives like this. No, no, they can't. And um, just as a, a footnote here, um, it was uh, sort of an Indian spirituality that that yeah. you followed. You, you actually went to India. You left L.A. Yes. You lived there for a while. And um, I traveled two different trips there. And I, I've been to South America, to Peru. I went to Machu Picchu when it just opened in 1986. I've had a lot of woo woo, we call it out there, <laughs> you know, experiences. Yeah. And uh, they've sort of made me who I am. And I, I it's private and it's personal, but it, it has sustained my, you know, my course. 
But I guess one would imagine that if you had a more kind of material view of the world, that that your situation as a single mother to mm-hmm. these two profoundly autistic sons could easily have overwhelmed you and, you know, could have been the end of you, you know, yeah. but um, anyway, I just took that away as a, as a viewer of this lovely film. Um, but I think you, I think that you come across as having an almost supernatural strength and patience. Um, so for whatever reason, whatever prepared you for it, you know, that, that came across, but of course you're human too. And it's, and it, Very. it shows you, it's, like, <laughs> it's this juxtaposition, you know, you, you are sort of supernaturally strong and vibrant. And on the other hand, you you're fragile. Well, yeah. uh, and now we know you are really fragile having fallen down the stairs, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I was trying to slide yeah. down the stairs. If I can just say something on that yeah. point too. Um, the, the 20 odd years now has traumatized the day in day out consistent n- noise. I would suggest pounding um, mm-hmm. Harry's pounding. We were walking down Laguna beach a few months back and a car backfired and tomorrow just shrunk. You know, she's like, she hears, I don't know if I should do this or not, but mm-hmm. a noise like that. And she just mm-hmm. cowered. It's so, well, you have a, uh, you have PTSD, but what, what I think yes. a lot of us autism parents would call, um, uh, constant instead of, instead of, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, traumatic syndrome. yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not post. There's no post. No, it's not traumatic present, stress syndrome. Present, present traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, and by the way, so Mark has, has spoken up. I don't think I properly explained that Mark is tomorrow's now husband. Yeah. And we meet him in the film <laughs> as their relationship is taking off. Um, and it is the most remarkable, unexpected twist in this film. Um, it was for us too, right, Tiago? It was. <laughs> it's a love story. It's a beautiful love story. Because when, okay, this film is bookended by two Thanksgivings, the thanks, Thanksgiving of 2020 and Thanksgiving of 2021. And when it opens in 2020, the real thing that comes across is your isolation. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the, there's a shot of you at the end of that scene sitting down at your Thanksgiving table and you're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, I mean, every autism parent can relate to that moment, right? That's Where you don't have family around you. You don't have friends around you. You've been abandoned, right, mm-hmm. by many people. And your children don't have the capacity, right, to participate yeah. in a cultural ritual, <laughs> right? No. right? And you're, you're alone with your turkey. I mean, yeah. like, it was such a poignant, <laughs> incredible moment. And then part of the... This film's arc is that, you know, you, you do find connection, like this in spite of that. So, so what happened? You guys connected like on Facebook or something like you, you were there in LA tomorrow, Uh connected with an old classmate. Tell us. I'll let Mark tell you this time. (laughs) Mark. Mark uh, and I um, met in high school in Beaverton, Oregon. We were in a photography class together. We were always just friends. And it was a very short time. We knew one another, maybe a few months, because uh, he was a year ahead in, in school. And um, we, but I'd go and party with him. You know, we're teenagers. I mean, I, we, I hung out with friends. We had, we, we knew each other. Like I hung out with him, but uh, we never dated. I, I dated a couple of friends around him, but it he never asked me out, so I didn't go. But um, we, uh, what ended up happening, he uh, ended, went to, I went east to New York City, and he went to Australia, New Zealand, and um, he ended up meeting his his wife that he was with for 40-some years. She, she died um, suddenly, tragically as well. And um, his kids suggested that he should be on Facebook and connect with people so he could move forward and all that. And I, I, I don't know if I friended him or he friended me, but we all were starting. There's a little group from Oregon that no, remember each other because of Facebook. And I just was reading his posts about the passing of his wife and how heart centered he was. And so somehow we just connected like that. And then we just, he was going to come through. He went to see his family in Bend, Oregon um, because they retired there. Um, his siblings, 
and he flew. Uh, he said, "Well, I'm coming through L.A. in January of 2020. It was 2021, 2020." And uh, he goes, "I'd love to." to see if you can come and meet me at the airport. Well, Harry's uh, conservatorship clerk was meeting us at exactly the time he had a window. So I didn't blow it off, which was good because Harry ended up having a lot of really serious things happen that if I hadn't had the proper paperwork, they could have done a lot of things that maybe wouldn't have Harry be here. So anyway, this is what happened. And we started talking, um, messaging, texting, and um, he was going to come in in June of that year. And then it came in really hard. COVID came in really hard and it took him two over two years to get out of the country. He had to write letters. We had to write letters to get him out of Australia to even come here. So it just so happened that Tiago wanted to finish at Thanksgiving and he was allowed to leave right before, like he was allowed to come out Mm. in September of that year that we ended the movie. And he then said, okay, I'm willing to be in the movie, but he didn't want to be interviewed if he hadn't met me physically again, or we hadn't spent some time. And yeah. So it happened organically that way. Is um, that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This, it, it was really, I mean, what a scene I'm telling you, like I just went through Kleenex after Kleenex uh, <laughs> in this scene, people, yeah, again, I don't want to do too many spoilers yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in, in this podcast. But Mark, I, I have to ask you the question that everyone must be thinking, but maybe they aren't saying out loud. Okay. 99 out of 100 men <laughs> would That's- not walk into a marriage involving two sons with extreme forms of autism. Uh, what were you thinking? <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what is he thinking? <laughs> I don't mean to be your analyst here, but, um, but uh, I, Tamara is, is beautiful and charming, but like, that's a lot. Let's admit it. It's a lot to walk into something I like this. I never thought anyone, I was never going to do it, Jill, to with anyone ever again, because I knew no one would. Yeah. It would be, you know. Well, I guess the most beautiful thing is the, the time it took for us to finally reconnect physically. Um, we got to know each other really, really well. And given the opportunity, because of today's current technology, you know, we're FaceTiming. So I got to see the boys. You know, I, I, I could see Harry when he's escalating. I could see Ian when he's, you know, getting very high anxiety. So, I, you know, I came with eyes wide open, but it's all about this woman's heart. Yes. Wow. Well, at his heart he's the heart of the universe they know you gotta be crying again i mean you moved from australia to take this on yeah it uh believe me i thought about it long and hard i got three kids two grandkids none of them wanted me to come (laughs) (laughs) no um and why would they this wonderful father you know but you only have one life and i don't know that is I just felt like this is a calling for me. It's like, I don't know, it's just so drunk. Yeah. There was, um, you know, the there's so many great moments in the film, but there was this moment when you had just really arrived at her house in, in Pasadena. And I, I think it was Harry was having an anxiety moment. Things were kind of tough. And you just said, love you, son. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, I cried and I was just bawling. Just it was so heartfelt and genuine. And um, he hadn't hadn't had a dad, you know. No, just no. Amazing, amazing. Okay. Two amazing young men. I mean, it's I have no regrets doing what I did. None at all. Wow. No second thoughts. I mean, yes, the first day one. I mean, brutally honest. I mean, that first twenty-four hours, twelve hours, we got in the afternoon. You know, boys are a little bit, they were a little bit escalated for a while. It really hit you. You know, like I had never been involved with autism before. So, you know, I got hit right in the face with it. And, um, you know, yeah, it shook me for four or five hours. But you just go, hey, this is what I decided to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not running away. And I'm very thankful that Mark allowed 
me to come with a camera and film, you know, the yeah. first moment that he was getting in. I mean, it was a lot of intimacy for them. And thank you to Tamara to allow me to make this film and being you know, part of, you know, this important moment. And their private lives. Yeah, and their private lives. But they knew how important it would be to show, you know, one, it's, it's a big step for Tamara having him and for him having her and being with the boys. But I think showing generally how they met first, how the whole thing came together and and his first reactions. I think everybody just cry in that moment. That's and the statement sure. that Tamara made driving down the 405 to the freeway, that was just like I you were you were you were done. <laughs> and then Mark what did I say? I don't remember. Um, <laughs> It was like no, yeah, that, that you like you you couldn't take anymore, yeah. and then Mark came into your life. Oh and... yes, yeah. That no, was... I really think his timing was so impeccable. You know, the like I say, the way my life sort of unfolded, and now our life together. But I, in a million years, don't think I would have gone been able to do any more than I did if if I hadn't had a, if I didn't have love in my life anymore. Wow. Well, so love is a big, big part of the film, the love you have for your sons, the love you develop for Mark. Um, and then another huge theme in the film is, of course, your quest for community for them and support, long-term support for them, which is, of course, something that is very prominent on the minds of all parents of children with, with profound autism, um, including yours truly. Uh, and um, uh, it's something we hear about at NCSA every day. It clearly is the number one issue for mm -hmm. families like ours and clearly an unresolved issue as uh, you know, the film really notes. So the film goes from your private story and then to a more kind of policy, you know, public story about how they're, where where are the solutions? You're not going to, as you say, you're not going to live forever, yeah. right? As yeah. you say, you know, what will happen to my children? You know, as you said, this is a silent tsunami. You know, as you said, you know, um, this is an issue that's bigger than COVID, right? You were there yeah. and you're, you're saying like, yeah, everybody's like, you know, freaking out about COVID. This is a bigger issue. And you're absolutely right. It's a much bigger issue than COVID. I would say it's a thousand times bigger issue than COVID. Totally. Um, and and it doesn't get anything close to that stature. Nothing. You know, it's 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 as you said, a, a silent tsunami. It's something that is flying under the radar. And the I, forgotten I mean, tribe. I always say we're the forgotten tribe. Like we're yeah. this beautiful community of humans that have these these very gifted and unusual ways that they are, and they have profound issues that people don't want to even look at. They don't want to help. Like, I'm always shocked that no one wants to help. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, what was amazing um, was your discussion about just getting dental treatment. Right. Was that for Harry or Ian? I'm sorry that, that I was forgot. for Harry. For Harry. So he was even, the one biting his hand off and pulling his hair his out. Hair. Right. And he was in, in distress. He clearly needed dental work. Just getting the, the obstacles, you know, to just getting that. You're like, you can't even get dental work, much less, you know, long-term care right. you know, for him. Um, and so, you know, the film does talk about your personal quest for, um, you know, some kind of long-term solution. And it also goes to talk to other families who are thinking along the same lines. You uh, you, uh, you guys, when I say you, uh, uh, Drew and Tiago featured Sweetwater Spectrum, mm -hmm. which is a residential project here in Northern California in Sonoma, near downtown Sonoma, um, that houses, I don't know, maybe up to 16 adults with autism and other developmental disabilities. And that was, I think, rightfully, you know, a model, right, that you wanted yes. to, to we, portray. We want to show, well, I mean, that is a model for wealthy people, right? But mm -hmm. how how we make that for affordable housing and right. and that's what Tamara have visited that place as well. Yeah. And when they're trying a couple years to prior, a couple of years uh, prior, uh, a friend of mine was trying to help me 
um, Catherine Curry Liams and a couple other friends, Holly Powell and uh, Hillary Ormsby. We went up there, we did a field trip and um, we talked to the people because we were, uh, Catherine was trying to get, she got a, a developer and a, a architect because we were going to try to build a community that was affordable. And yes, that's beautiful up there, but it's, it's not, it's not for enough people and it's not affordable unless you're multimillionaires. And none of us that are really in the trenches every day have that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're lucky to still have a roof over our heads, mm-hmm. a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, what, but what you portrayed, I, I agree. I agree with what you said, but I think that the point was to say, you know, where can they live where they can live full lives? Yes. Right. You don't want to institutionalize them, right? You want them to live a life where they're comfortable, where they have a community, where they're engaged, where they're doing something productive, when they're not just housed. Exactly. Right. And that was your point. And, you know, showing things about your agricultural land and open space. I mean, these things are very vitally important. They just are. You have kids who are moving around and jumping all the time who have sensory sensitivities who need their own space. Um, This doesn't happen in an apartment complex. It just doesn't. It's not physically possible. You know, these are our, and we talk about wheelchair ramps for people who are in wheelchairs. Well, this is our wheelchair ramp. You know, this is the adaptive, um, you know, setting that they need. But, you know, there's, as we know, almost not only no attention to it, the system is working against, you know, those settings. And, you know, the film did not go into policy. (laughs) The film brought up the issue, but then kind of stopped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that, because um, I think that uh, one one thing you said tomorrow was, oh, we need like a a big philanthropist. (laughs) And I was thinking, well, a philanthropist would be nice, but what we really need is public policy. Yeah, we do need policies. Yeah, Yeah, we do. And that's what you're so good at. I mean, I, I, I think because I've been so just trying to survive for so many years, I, you know, I dream big because that's all I have being isolated. But now I'm like, well, now how do we get to the next place? You know, how do we make this next, the next step, you know, to get the policies changed so that we all are being protected. Our children are having purposeful life. I think that's the stuff that really frustrates me the most is that we fight every day, Mark and I, with trying to get very minimal services in our house that we were paying. We're, I'm going through everything that the boys' future I had put away for them because we have to pay people out of pocket to come and we're still with gaps all day long. You know, it's it's really hard because all these agencies don't have staffing anymore because of COVID. And now everybody wants more money. And they pay them, you know, we're paid in IHSS minimum wage is $16.50 an hour. Right. I mean, they, who's going to want to work with our kids? Let's be real. If they're making $16.50 an hour, you know, it's, it's, there's just, that's just reality. I mean, I'm just going to be real. I wish I was a multimillionaire. I pay all those people, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they feel they, they, they deserve because they deserve it. And there's a yeah. lot of people that really love it. They love the kids. You know, and that's what we're trying to find. If we could sustain a community or, or get policy through where we could actually build things like this, where people could live and work and they were paid appropriately and they had the passion for it, the whole world could change. And well, I, I think it- this is why your film is important, because it shows the story. It shows the level of need of at least a portion yes. of these young adults. A little it snippet. makes it visible. Because otherwise, as you said, you're invisible. It's yeah. not the autism that the disability rights world likes to, you know, portray. Yeah, exactly. They don't want yeah. to see us. No. They don't want. They don't want to see it, and so it's important. And it, yeah, my good. We're very go lucky. We're sorry. Sorry to interrupt. We're very lucky. We're in California. From what what I've found out since coming over from Australia, California is one of the top five states in America as far as funding, state funding. Where's the federal funding? Wasn't there a federal agenda to help this community? And, you know, we have friends, obviously, in Oregon. We've reached out to them uh, with autistic um, children. And it's even worse in other states. I, 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 I can't even fathom that. Um, seriously, we would, spend, we would spend three to four hours of every day dealing with bureaucracy. We do every day. Even today, driving up, I was the whole time emailing and texting while he was driving. The, the regional centers 
they sound they're disbanded they're not joined together there's no cohesive unit um that's only my observation but you know where's the playbook like like you mentioned before with the dentistry why does it take five years you know and finally we we find it and there's all these services but they don't you know there's not a playbook saying for somebody like we have a friend right now that can't get services yeah um and she's very close to putting her child into a. Um, she's in the ER. She has her daughter in a lockdown in the ER, like what Harry went through, because she's she she's aggressive out on her, and she can't. She and her husband can't handle it right now. So you know, it's like this is you know people call me every day like I have an answer. You know, yeah. I I wish I yeah. did. I have a vision of an answer, but we don't have what we need to get there yet. So thank you for you know having us, you know, talking about this important subject. This is what we really should well, be doing. It, it's huge. And, you know, the problem's only going to get bigger. And we need, you know, much better policies at the federal and the state level. And frankly, we don't see the disability rights community addressing this particular problem. They, they do generally, you know, they, they know that there's a direct support provider crisis. And that's true across the board. Um but, you know, this particular subset of the disability community needs extraordinary services. And it's just true. Um, yeah. And and we need much more, much more attention on that. Um, uh, OK, so I've, I've, there's like 10 more things I want to talk about, but I'm like mindful of the time. I'm like, which which one should I do? Um, so I, I want to go back to, to the filmmakers. So. Um, what uh what what are your plans for the film now what do you what would you like to see come out of all this well the movie is oh. right now playing at cinequest uh mm -hmm. it's a film festival uh and people can watch online until march 12th so it's a great opportunity to rent the movie i think it's 399 and you can watch on your tv please don't watch on your cell phone don't watch on your computer um, but we do uh, submit the film to a bunch of film festivals. We are still waiting to hear um, back. And hopefully we're going to get um, distrib distributor distribution. distribution. We've actually had a couple of meetings um, with a variety of different entities in the distribution field. We had a really great Zoom meeting last week with a sales agent out of New York who's observed, you know, kind of watching it and um, we'll see where it goes with that. So we have to finish the festival season, but ultimately our goal would be, of course, to either have it on a platform such as Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Paramount Plus, whatever, um, and, you know, sell it. And yeah. so more people, could so more watch. people can watch it. And um, I know that Tamar and Mark didn't mention, um, but, you know, uh, we are really hopeful with their um the website that they've established and their 501c3 that you know they could pursue their dream of mm -hmm. a community so hopefully the mm -hmm. film will continue to um, spread awareness and education and the hopes that their dreams can come true also i always ask mm -hmm. my question people ask this at q a's think about our senior population we have multiple choices for them you know in living situations why don't we have this for our special needs young adults? Why don't they have the same amount of choices and um, options for uh, right. high quality? We ask ourselves that question every day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I ask into the air all the time, like why? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and the the answer would be another film. <laughs> yeah, there, if you want to make another film, we could probe that question because it is a huge societal question, a huge issue that really deserves its own documentary. Um, so, uh, yeah, but again, there's only so much you could do. And, and how long is your film? Is it like 80 minutes, 90 minutes? Like, no, no, it's nine, 96. 96. 96 minutes. Yeah, there's only so much you could do in 96 <laughs> minutes. You can't, can't, can't solve it. Well, I do hope right, it's 86. It's my fault. It's 86 yes. minutes. Okay. You know, okay. <laughs> you had well, you cut it down a little, yeah. Let's hope it gets on on Netflix or something similar, where millions of people, um, mm -hmm. you know, can have, uh, you know, the 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 honor of watching it. Um, I think you know we're we're behind you and and rooting for you a hundred percent. 
Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you so much. This is a worldwide problem. This is not just the United States problem. This problem is worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you look at, we talk about prevalence a lot at NCSA and um, the, the increasing prevalence of autism and, and truly it, it has increased on the order of 50 fold. Even if you just look at more severe autism, even if you don't even look at um, kind of milder forms of autism, it's increased on the order of 50 fold since the eighties, uh -huh. which shocks people. They're like, really? And then I show them the numbers, especially from California. And they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, and we we're kind of like, oh well, we're just noticing it better, and it's all better diagnostics. Oh, yeah, I'm right. like, are you effing? Oh, like, no, this is this is a real <laughs> thing, and, and 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 there is so much denial. Like we just, oh yeah, I'm I'm giving a TEDx talk next month, and I oh, the talk is going to be all about this whole phenomenon of of denialism in in well, the autism space. To do it. You have to oh, let us know about that. Maybe you can write it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really a weird cultural phenomenon that we don't want to look at but at this big problem. Um, so um, yeah, and one thing I do want to say um, that, you know, uh, this is National Council on Severe Autism and, and there is in this film, um, there are little bits and pieces of facilitated communication um, on screen. And I do want to say that you know, people might say to me, you know, or one person actually did say to me, Jill, what are, you know, the film has some facilitated communication and you guys are against facilitated communication. Um, let me just say that I think the film is excellent. And yes, it wasn't my favorite part of the film, but it, for me, it didn't detract from the overall message. It didn't detract from the drama of what was going on. Would I have liked it to be cut out? Sure. But, you know, it, for me, it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world. Um, so I just want to put that out there because I know some people are thinking that as they're listening, as they're listening to that. Um, OK, before we close, is there anything else that you want uh, your your viewers or future viewers to know about the film? Yeah, go. Sorry, Drew, go ahead. No, I was going to say for you guys to share uh, about Beyond Branch Foundation. About Beyond yeah. Branch Foundation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're on the same page again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we have we have a website. We do have a nonprofit organization. It's called BeyondRanchFoundation.org, and it has a lot of information on what we're trying to achieve and what we want to do. And we do dream big. Yeah, we do dream very big. Yeah, we do want to. You know, we want this not just to be a solution just for Ian and Harry and, and others in the local community of Pasadena. Um, we want this to be a model that can be rolled out across the world. Well, we all types of housing, mm -hmm. alternative housing uh, solutions. solutions. But we are, we are going to need a lot of people to donate. We are going to need philanthropists with a lot of money that want to... And that policy have, changes. Have our, and policy changes because we're going to need zoning, right? You know, to get land in America, there's challenges with zoning and all the rest is, you know, Oh, this, the whole thing is set up with like 20 obstacles in your way. You know, as I said, if you thought you're just finding a dentist was hard, right? You know, this is going to be, you know, a hundred times harder. And, and it's so unfortunate that I really feel so strongly that all of those obstacles should be just shattered and we should be doing everything we can to facilitate creation of yep. long-term support solutions and a, a whole bunch of them. Like they're not one model, but you know, a whole spectrum of models yes. and we're not doing that. We're not, they're doing not that. doing it. And they, yeah. they pass us off. I mean, the bureau, like we say, the bureaucracy, I mean, we're grateful to our regional centers to get support, but what we have to go through is months and months and months of waiting, improving. And in the meantime, the kids are regressing. There's no programs. There's nowhere for them to go. There's no future. If they have an illness or if they are, you know, severe, nobody wants to be around you. I mean, you know, it's, it's just insane. You're right. We need it. It's so many other ways. It's medical. It's emotional. It's uh, it's living situations for people. People have no support to get a break. People, I mean, people like us are, we're getting away for the first time in a few months because I got injured for two nights or three nights we're going to be away. It's so hard. My friends, other friends, they never can go away. You know, mm -hmm. they, they can't do it. And, mm -hmm. and they're suffering. I mean, I think for me, it bothers me that so many people are suffering so enormously all over the world and nobody cares. That's how it feels. It feels like yeah. nobody cares. 
well, you know, your compassion is um, really, you know, the heart of this film. You know, it really, I, 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 I almost can't imagine this film featuring anybody else, you know, <laughs> uh, just because um, you're, you're, you're caring about not just your sons um, and your own sanity, but you're, you're caring about the entire community. So yeah. anyway, well, thank you for, for the gift of this film and thank you for being it's on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, please. Uh, if people want to see more about the movie and the other projects that we have done, social impact films too, uh, just access the Ellen Miller Productions and we have all the information there. Say it one and more time. Can you spell out the... It's D... D, D as in Drew. Okay. <laughs> Ellen, my middle name, Miller. D Ellen Miller. Productions, yes. And you can actually watch Duke and Chocolate, the two short films, one on Alzheimer's and one on autism. You can watch them right from our website. Okay. They're little short films, like 18 minutes. Yeah. And they're, they're acted films. They're not um, documentaries, but he's they've done the Where's Nancy um, documentary about Alzheimer's and then us about autism or severe autism. Yes. Yes. And Got take well, Mark. Yes. Yeah. And, and even they're, he's, they're brilliant, these two. They changed our whole life. I'm so grateful. So grateful. Thank you. Well, you're trying to change many, so let's hope it happens, my dear. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah see, together. you know, Tamara, you were born to be a Hollywood star. You just didn't know that this is what you would be starring, and little did you know. <laughs> That's hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I love, by the way, one, another moment in the film I loved is um, when you were at the beach with, again, I'm not, I don't remember if it was Harry or Ian, and, mm -hmm. and you were dancing in the sand. You know, like you get to actually see like the other Tamara, <laughs> the pre-autism Tamara, the dancer Tamara. It was beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's I got a little nudging from Tiago. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. but I do like to dance on the beach. You know, I like to dance anywhere. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Confidential. If you'd like to learn more, share an idea for an episode, or become a sponsor, please visit us at autismconfidential.org. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual speakers. Content presented is for informational purposes only, and we do not provide any medical or legal advice.